Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get tropical. Welcome to Takes on Takes. There's nothing tropical about today's show. Just felt like quoting Jackie Moon and Kyle Krabs. Host of the Draft Dudes podcast along with Joe Marino. If you missed yesterday's show, uh, Joe is on vacay. Slacker. He got married over the weekend. So I am uh, running the ship solo and I've solicited your takes on takes. It's Tuesday afternoon, just before 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I am recording this podcast and we're going to post it right away. So we got live, up to date takes. To dig into. We got some good ones. We actually got a lot of takes. So um, I'll go ahead and dig through. We didn't do takes last week. Let's start with takes submitted on May 1st. We got a take here. We're digging right in, folks. Uh, From the wonders of V. Gotta be V. What's worse? Pineapples on pizza or the Jaguars' current depth chart at tight end? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, pineapples on pizza, fun fact, is actually good if you include ham. Uh, I am a big proponent of Hawaiian pizza, but I look at this Jaguars' depth chart. Jeff Swain, Josh Oliver, Ben Koyak, Pharaoh McKeever, and James O'Saunacy, and this is a no-brainer. Blowout victory for pineapple on pizza. This tight end group for the Jaguars is, it's the best way to put this, uh, really bad. <laughs> really bad. Josh Oliver, third round pick this year. I think that's aggressive. I think it was an aggressive pick. It was it was a lot sooner than what I would have taken him. I understand he's got receiving upside. He's a promising athlete. He's a flex guy. But I don't think any of these guys are, are really going to be difference makers for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And with Nick Foles, here's the starting quarterback. Uh, Nick Foles has thrived with good tight end play in Philadelphia. And the Jaguars, simply put, can't, can't replicate that. So give me pineapple on pizza over the Jaguars' death chart. Uh, take from Ty Smith. It's better to be a UDFA than to be drafted in the sixth or seventh round. Um... I can understand why you would feel that way, Ty, kind of leaning towards being able to choose your own destination and and pick and choose your spots, but I think everybody would rather be drafted. I think folks would rather hear their names called. Um, There's some level of pride in knowing that somebody out there wanted you badly enough to make you a priority to select. Uh, Even in the sixth and seventh round, you get a lot of specialists, special teams guys, niche guys for your roster, developmental guys. So um, I know that there's a, a growing prevalent thought that um, 
generally speaking, the draft is four rounds long, and everything after the fourth round is just priority UDFAs that uh, you t- take turn picking guys that uh, a lot of times fall into the same bucket as far as talent. So I, if I were a player, I would rather still get my name called, but I do understand where you're coming from with the idea that, hey, I'd rather go undrafted and get to pick my spot so I know I can maximize my chance to make a roster compete. Uh, take from Lawrence, Donovan Peoples-Jones is wide receiver one, heard it here first. One of my favorite lines, heard it here first. Um, takes on takes. I respectfully disagree. I think about Jerry Judy and LaVisca Chenault. Those two guys stand out to me as guys that I'm familiar enough with. I know I'm probably forgetting a ton of guys. I know this wide receiver cr- uh, crop is loaded, um, but those two guys stand out to me as like really, really good dudes. And I'm pr- pretty familiar with Donovan's Peoples Jones. I actually think uh, Three Black is a more physically gifted receiver on that Michigan offense. Uh, just needs to stay healthy. Uh, Travis Graber, Josh Rosen is better than Kyler. Hashtag takes on takes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Through my own personal evaluations, I did have Josh Rosen graded. Is a higher football player, Josh Rosen, the second highest quarterback evaluation before the draft that I gave out in the last two years behind only Baker Mayfield. Uh, Kyler Murray would have been either third or fourth on that list. He'd be right there in the same kind of bucket that I had Sam Darnold valued in. Uh, But for me, it was Mayfield, Rosen, and then the field over the course of the last two seasons. Uh, we got a tattle take. Uh, the, the original take is coming from Chris Raymond, who is responding to Manish Mehta, uh, New York Jets beat reporter, talking about Daniel Jones uh, being asked to work out as a tight end because some team apparently thought he wasn't good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And the take is from Chris Raymond, turned in by Oliver Friedel, I like how Jets reporters have all of a sudden started talking Giants for the first time in 20 years because they finally had a better year. A little sister to the Giants and Jones will have a more will have more success than Sam Darnold. No, I disagree. I think uh, Sam Darnold is a much better quarterback prospect than what Daniel Jones is. Um, And believe it or not, I actually this may be a surprise coming from a a Miami Dolphins fan that lived with with uh, Adam Gase for three years. I think Adam Gase is a good play caller for Sam Darnold, and I think he, with Le'Veon Bell and Le'Veon Bell's skills in the receiving game, will kind of protect Sam Darnold from Gase's tendencies to get away from the running game a little bit. Uh, having a pass catching back, that safety check down option. Um, Darnold really turning on the last six weeks of the season last year, and and I think he's really ready to progress, and I like a lot of what the Jets have been able to do to build around him. And I'm not sure what the ceiling is with Adam Gase, but I think I feel much more comfortable with Adam Gase, Sam Darnold, and the Jets than what I do with Daniel Jones, Pat Shermer, and uh, the supporting cast of the New York Giants. With that said, uh, Jones probably has the two best uh, supporting cast options in Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. So that may kind of even the stakes a little bit. I just, Daniel Jones is a quarterback that I'm going to have a really hard time seeing you capture lightning in a bottle with and go on a run in the playoffs. 
where I think Sam Darnold is a little bit more prone as a player to put the team on his back at times, and I think he has more potential to really take you further with less. Sam Robinson, Sam Robinson 9. People wouldn't have had much of a problem with the Raiders picking Farrell at 4 if Mayock still worked in the media and had him highly ranked on his big board. Hashtag takes on takes. This is interesting. Forgive me. I've moved my head here in the living room. I should know not to record in here by now. Um, as far as perception of Cleveland Farrell, certainly makes sense as a Mike Mayock type player, right? Um, don't blame me. I had Farrell seventh on my board. I really like Farrell a lot. I didn't have a single problem with this pick. And uh, I do think there's some fair speculation here on Sam's part to suggest that public perception of the pick probably would have been different if you had a leader slash somebody in the forefront willing to kind of pound the table for Cleveland Farrell. I am not foolish enough to think that I have the reach or the platform or the clout of a Mike Mayock. I do not. And um, I, know, I know folks that have followed me throughout the pre-draft process were probably a little bit more okay with the take than, than those who got uh, their preferred outlets from NFL Network or ESPN or, or guys that uh, kind of consistently projected Farrell's a fr- uh, fringe first-round pick. Again, it all comes to the floor and the ceiling. I think Farrell's ceiling is not so low that it really mitigates the value at four, but I think the floor for him makes a lot of sense for the Raiders, a team that needs production. Uh, Simon Rath, Riley Ridley, or Cal, I'm sorry, this must be Calvin Ridley, and Julio Jones will both have 1,000-plus yards receiving this year. Oh, this is aggressive. I like it, though. Um, I can get on board with this. I think the Falcons really pitched the ball around a little bit. Uh, they lost Tevin Coleman, so there's some some targets in the passing game that can be divvied up elsewhere. Julio, if he's healthy, is a lock. Calvin Ridley uh, kind of hit the rookie wall last year, but uh, I'll buy this take, Simon. I'm in with you, man. Let's go. Uh, the pick boss. Michael Dieter will be a better guard than Zach Martin, sir. You are pushing my buttons, and I love it. Uh, Michael Dieter would be, A, a huge hit for the brand if he lands as a better guard than Zach Martin, but uh, Zach's so good. Um, I'm not quite ready to put him in that stratosphere because when I evaluated Zach Martin, uh, he was a special prospect for me. Michael Dieter is a very, very good prospect, but not a special prospect, so... um, I will graciously pass, although I'm hoping you're right, because that would be good for my brand, and it would be also be good for the Miami Dolphins. Eric Cullison, got a Bucks take. Drafting nine defensive backs in four drafts, all in the top four rounds, isn't the best recipe for success. Well, you're probably right. You're not wrong, Eric. But I would say this. Um, there's no such thing as too many defensive backs in today's NFL. And the reason why the Bucs continue to be aggressive with defensive backs is because they've missed on some guys. And would I have drafted Jamil Dean? No. I probably wouldn't have drafted him, period. But um, having bodies that you feel comfortable with, I think, is important because inevitably your secondary is going to get tested with their depth. And the Bucs 
being so aggressive in the defensive backfield in an offense or in, in a division that faces offenses like the Saints, like the Panthers, assuming Cam Newton is healthy, and the Falcons with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, you need to make sure you're good on the back end. So I respect what they're doing, and I understand the reasons why they're doing it, even though they took some guys that I probably would not have selected. NFL Draft Man, uh, NFL Draft Man 1 on Twitter, Debo Samuel is in a great, the best situation of any offensive player in the draft and will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Jeez. Oh, man. I just think the 49ers have too many, like, mouths to feed, right? Does that make sense? I think that I think the 49ers are really looking for kind of guys that you can churn and place anywhere that you want. Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, Trent Taylor. Um, all those guys are kind of cut from the same general cloth. And I think that that replaceability of each of those guys where they could shuffle the deck any way that they want, I think that will actually kind of prohibit them from running volume through any one of those players. If anything, the volume is going to go through George Kittle. So I'll disagree with this take. Don't ask me who I'd pick right now, but as I think about Debo Samuel, he's in a really good situation, make no mistake. But I think the philosophy that they're implementing there with their receiver room is going to prevent him from being a volume guy. Uh, Vontel is trying to break my heart here. D. Vontel J. on Twitter. Josh Rosen will be on his fourth team by 2024. Well, let's see. Um, they have his high school team, UCLA, Arizona, Miami. So there you go. You're right. <laughs> uh, I, I hope you're wrong, Vontel. I, I would say this. The Dolphins have put themselves in a situation where if it doesn't work, they can easily part ways no matter what. They've got three years plus a team option. And um, I think the Dolphins would be wise um, to – this This was a point actually one of my guys over at Dolphins Wire, Lewis, made. Uh, the Dolphins would be wise to commit to Josh Rosen for two years because if it doesn't work out, guess what? It's Trevor Lawrence time, baby. Um, I, I think you would be doing Josh a disservice when you were planning on not having a quarterback and then suddenly acquiring one with a supporting cast that's okay. And I talked about that on my other pod, Finn, to win it today, actually. Uh, the Dolphins are okay in some spots on the offensive side of the football. But they need right tackle. They need an interior offensive line. They need an X receiver. And they need a tight end, whether it's Mike Kosecki or somebody else. And I don't trust Kenyon Drake. I like the receivers that they have outside of the X, the number one. I think they need a number one, but everybody else down the line I like. Uh, they've got some pieces. On, I know they've got three pieces on the offensive line that they like. Laramie Tunsil, Michael Dieter, and Jesse Davis. Do I like Jesse Davis? No, Jesse Davis isn't a part of my personal long-term plans for the Dolphins in the next three years. But... Um, I think that the, the Dolphins would be wise to not cut themselves off unless they have a no-brainer layup with a top pick for a quarterback. Otherwise, let Josh show you what he can do and give him two years to do it. The Dolphins fan base will freak the F out if that happens because they're going to be petrified it's Ryan Tannehill all over again. But I think this, this front office 
kind of has some foresight. Uh, here's the problem with recording takes on takes and doing it live. Uh, you guys are coming hard. So we're, uh, we're going to try and get as many of you guys in, but you guys are bringing them in faster than I'm reading them right now. So shame on me. Uh, David Trost, Sam Darnold will finish 2019 as a top 12 quarterback. Well, it depends on what you're classifying. Are you talking yards, touchdowns, fantasy points, QB rating? I can get behind this, though. Talked about Sam a little bit earlier, and I like what the Jets have brought in around him with, with uh, Osemele on the offensive line and uh, Le'Veon Bell at running back to help not just the run game but also the pass game as well. So if he can play anywhere to the level like he played the last six weeks of 2018, uh, I will agree with you, David. Uh, BSG, Devontae Parker set up for his breakout season, Charles Harris too. Uh, no and no. I disagree with both of these. Um, Parker, I just I can't trust him. Uh, he's been set up for a breakout. For th- this will be his third straight breakout season pending now. Uh, and then as unfortunate it is, as it is, um, some you could probably draw some of that back to Adam Gase not trusting him. But I just I don't see the consistency on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis with Devontae Parker to think that he's going to string together a full 16-game season of high production. Charles Harris, the Dolphins need him to, but I don't think Charles can, Harris can play. I don't think he can play coming out in 2017 when they took him 22nd overall. So um, I'd expect the Dolphins look at guys like Shane Ray, look at guys like Nick Perry, Look at a guy like maybe Kyle Emanuel from the Chargers, guys like that. The Dolphins, now that you know, starting tomorrow, you can sign free agents and it not count against the comp pick window. I'd expect the Dolphins bring in two or three pass rushers here because they need them. Uh, Andrew Kim, Miles Boykin leads the Ravens in catches, yards, and touchdowns in 2019. Disagree. I think Hollywood Brown is a much more polished receiver. I think the tight ends will eat up a lot of those potential targets as well. And I don't think Boykin is polished enough to step in and play to that level of production. Uh, Jared Huff, Devin Bush will win Defensive Rookie of the Year. (sighs) Devin Bush in Pittsburgh, he's put in as good of a position as you could possibly hope for for a defensive rookie. I think you got to watch out for Devin White. I think you got to watch out for Quinn Williams. I think you got to watch out for Nick Bosa. He'll have a lot of competition, but he's in a great spot. Uh, Pack Daddy, Darnell Savage, will be a top 10 safety in 2019. Again, depends on how you're classifying top 10 safety. I love Darnell Savage. Uh, He was a top 40 player for me or top 45 player for me on my board personally this year. Packers taking him at 21. I like it. I like it a lot. And um, I think he's put in a position there with all the young, exciting, talented defensive backs that they have, he can shine. I don't know about top 10 safety in the league. That might be a little aggressive for me, but I like the ad a lot. Um, Matt Valdinos. Valdovinos, excuse me. He hit takes on takes 10 times in this tweet because the first time he didn't, I didn't like it. Uh, Dwayne Haskins will have the best statistical year of any quarterback drafted in both 2018 and 2019. Disagree. Baker Mayfield's still here. Baker Mayfield now has Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, David Njoku. 
Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt once he comes back from suspension, a good offensive line, and the same offensive play caller that he had in 2018. Oh, yeah, and because he's technically a new head coach, they got a jump start on their offseason conditioning program. I rest my case. Matt, that's my that's my response. Uh, Riley Osborne Hudson, Tattle Takes, at grinding the tape. Don't call Joe Marino. Let the man celebrate. I think this is in relation to uh, potential bets between Matt and Joe, and Joe on his honeymoon and myself. Uh, Joe has only communicated to me once, and it was to tell me to come to the Dominican. So I'm not going to let the man celebrate. I have an invitation, so I'll, I'll be recording tomorrow with Joe down poolside. Uh, a couple more for you guys. Ron Cop, Mark Fields is better than Trayvon Mullen. I disagree, but both of these guys are really good. I like Trayvon Mullen. I like his situation in Oakland. I love that they took him uh, where they did. I think he projects favorably to be a starter in that system. A lot of systems, I'd be a little apprehensive about what Trayvon Mullen can bring to the table uh, versus what he would have to get coached up on. But I think him and Conley, those two guys, that's perfect. Then that secondary's got Conley, Trayvon Mullen, Nevin Lawson as the nickel, LaMarcus Joyner is a guy that can drop down into the nickel. Carl Joseph, they're not renewing their uh, their team option on, and they drafted Jonathan Abram as a bigger, more sturdy version of Carl Joseph to replace him as a guy in the box. Um, Raiders did some okay things. Did I like every pick that they made? No. But the Raiders did some okay things. And my last take, I wanted to save this one. I've been sitting on this one. This is a take that has come from Peter King. Peter King did his latest column for Pro Football Weekly, and Peter had a doozy that I figured I I should probably address. This is a direct quote from Peter King. I think my feelings about mock drafts are pretty well known. Not a fan. I do one three days before the draft, but I find the mock drafts done 365 days before the next draft, particularly reprehensible and click pandering. We don't have any idea what the draft order is. We don't have any idea which underclass we will declare. We don't have any idea on how the college players will play in 2019, but let's give Tua Tagaviola, which is spelled incorrectly to the Dolphins anyhow. Uh, Peter, my question is what's more click pandering, a 365-day advanced mock draft we're talking about players like Tua Tagaviola that you don't know them well enough to spell their names correctly. The purpose of a mock draft is to go through simulations, identify holes in team needs. There's a reason why teams do these mock scenarios. They might not do them 365 days out, but there's a clear demand for this kind of content to talk about the who, the what, the why, and the how. Like it or not, the draft is a growing space. And if you want to do one mock a year, three days before the draft, that's fine. But for those of us in media who choose to address the draft in the way that like we do at the Draft Network, Matt Miller, Bleacher Report, he's NFL Draft Scout, that's his job year-round to do football players. Pro Football Focus says, guys, um, Mike Renner just got promoted to the draft guy at PFF and to lead that project. That's a, it's a full-time job. 
and to treat it like the NFL teams do in which you establish baseline expectations and we want to do the same thing for our readers. So if you feel that that's click pandering, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry at the same time because we're here to serve the fans who desire to consume football content in a new way, and that includes embracing the overlap between college football, the NFL, and casual football fans all around the world. There's a clear market and desire and thirst for that kind of content, and that's not click pandering. That's accepting the way the world thinks for what it is. That's my two cents. Hope you guys enjoyed this uh, Tuesday episode of Takes on Takes. Apologies, Joe, not being here. I'll make sure you tweet at him, give him a hard time, at the Joe Marino. I'm at Grinding the Tape. You want to give your takes for next week. Joe will be back next Tuesday for Takes on Takes. Get them to us with the hashtag Takes on Takes. You want to turn somebody in, you got to use the hashtag Tattle Takes. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We're going to be back to talk about the other two teams from the AFC South and how they did in the 2019 NFL Draft. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.